Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Yeah, what a comeback. Uh, unbelievable last night. New England Patriots 34, Atlanta Falcons 28 in overtime. Uh, just the most outrageous hour, hour and a half as uh, the New England Patriots came back from the dead. Kevin Cullen is Boston Globe columnist. Aaron Schatz is from footballoutsiders.com. They're both on the line. Uh, Kevin, a lot of people over here, given the time difference, nodded off, uh, safe and uh, confident around half time, or maybe certainly early in the third that uh, they weren't going to see a comeback. It was just unbelievable. No, I, I have to be honest, Joe. I was watching the game with my neighbor, who's a football coach, and we watch all these games together, and both of us just didn't see it. We didn't see that they would have enough time or enough possessions when it, when they were down by 25. And obviously, I think the uh, Dante Hightower, the uh, the strip sack, and uh, and then pushing them out of range for a field goal that would have iced it. That was uh, Trey Flowers when he sacked Matt Ryan. Those are two crucial plays. But, you know, it's one of those games. There's about 100 crucial plays. Uh, The bottom line, when I kept looking at all the statistics, can tell you too much or too little. But the bottom line to me is the Patriots had possession of the ball for over 40 minutes of that game. Mm. And uh, Ooh, I think we've lost you. Kevin, you're gone? We'll get you back in the line in just a moment. Aaron, you're uh, there, I presume. You can pick up on Kevin's point and uh, share in just how unbelievable it was. Yeah, I'm still here. Actually, I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm not a big believer in time of possession. Usually, it doesn't matter. Usually, being more efficient is, you know, the preferred option. This was a gigantic exception because you it, it is rare that you have a team that runs more than, like, 15 plays, more than the other team in a game. Patriots ran twice as many plays as the Falcons ran in this game. It's kind of insane. Like, most of the things about this game and most of the stats that come out of this game, it's completely insane. I mean, I think that anybody over there who went to sleep at halftime thinking it was over is quite, was quite right to do so because 25-point comebacks are just unheard of. Mm. And this is phenomenally rare. The fact that they pulled it off doesn't make it any less rare. It was just an astonishing accomplishment. I thought the game was over. I was on Twitter arguing people with people about whether this game proved that Joe Montana was better than Tom Brady or not. Mm. There would, I mean, where I called it quits was in the third with three minutes to go. When you know they missed that kick after the touchdown, and you thought, okay, this is right. just. 
this is just one of those days. And then they did have a great drive. But, it, you know, it was it was meandering and slow and would have been ideal if they were up by 27 or 28 points to to three. But they didn't have the time to take so long to get up the field. I guess the one source of hope, if you're a Patriots fan, then was that, uh, the you know, Tom Brady was starting to be protected a little more than he had in that, than he was in that first half in particular, where he was just looking around almost in dismay, Aaron, at his teammates on the sideline, where he was getting sacked what felt like every third or fourth play. Yeah, and that's, I think, where the time of possession battle came in, is that by the time you get to the fourth quarter, the Falcons' pass were tired. And they're just, you know, that's where I think the better protection came from, in part, was that the Falcons' pass rush was just tired. It is, you know, it's not easy to block, but it's less tiring to stand in one place than it is to constantly try to run fast around the person standing in one place. Mm. Um, But, I mean, you weren't wrong, especially... When the Falcons get to something like the 22-yard line, they're like first and 10 at the 22 at some point, at the Patriots 22, where all they have to do is run the ball three times and kick a field goal to go up by 11 with like three minutes left. At that point, there's like a 99% chance that the Falcons win that game. Yeah. And, you know, so many times the Patriots, look, not, no team had ever come back from a deficit this big in the playoffs, not just the Super Bowl, but in the playoffs on the road or in a neutral site. And you just don't see games like this. And one of the most incredible things was the Falcons' third downs were so fast, okay? So the Falcons uh, the Falcons on third down had nine third down plays, not counting those canceled by penalties. Four of them, four of them were sacked. Mm. Four were incomplete. One got a first down. That is just mind-blowingly bad. On first down, they averaged 11 yards a play. Mm. On third down, they couldn't do anything right. Yeah. On the bad decisions uh, theme, uh, Jer Gavin on Twitter listening in, throwing the ball when you should run in Super Bowl 49, it was Pete Carroll who chose not to run with Marshawn Lynch on the bench. And this time around, Carl Shanahan chooses to throw on third down with a yard to go. Matt Ryan, Kevin, you're back with us now, defended yeah. uh, Kyle Shanahan for his play calling. Uh, too aggressive, no, said Ryan. I thought Kyle did a good job. I thought we played the way we play. We always play aggressive and play to win. But really, there comes a point where you just have to say, in the crudest of terms, they completely choked and it was just a collective choke. Uh, you know, they just weren't thinking straight. It's interesting because I, I went online and looked at some of what the Atlanta, you know, uh, media was saying, and, and most of the reaction by Atlanta fans are calling it a choke. I mean, I looked at this. I very seldom would compare a football game to a road race, but it almost seemed to me that the, the, the Falcons went out too quickly, and and in their speed overwhelmed the the, the the Patriots, particularly the the speed of the defenders. They just the Patriots uh, receivers could not create separation, which they're so good at doing. Yeah. And then by the fourth quarter, they were completely gassed. You could see it, and there was so much separation. So, and obviously there were all these things that had to happen that did happen, and and watching, uh, you know, Julian. Edelman make that ridiculous catch, which, you know, you could do it a thousand times, it might not happen but once, um, and it was so reminiscent of David Tyree making that catch in 2008 when the uh, the New York Giants beat the undefeated at that time Patriots yeah. in the Super Bowl. It just was a ridiculous catch, but I really, you know, I, you know, she, 
of course they got to defend each other, and I, I think less than them if they didn't. But even Patriots fans were all scratching their heads saying, mm. why wouldn't you just run the ball, take time off the clock, kick the field goal, and ice it? That's certainly what Bill Belichick would have done. Yeah. I mean, the way – yeah, sorry, Aaron, go ahead. I was going to say, if I can interrupt, that third and one pass, yeah. that's not such a big deal, right? A third and one, middle of the field, but there's times you pass on third and one. There's times you run on third and one. Sometimes, you know, running is generally more successful than passing as far as converting, but mm. there are reasons to pass. The problem was, one, snapping the ball with like 10 to 15 seconds left on the clock on their last exactly. drive before the Patriots tied it. I don't know what was up with that. That's not even a run or pass thing. And right. the other is going back to pass when you were in field goal range yeah. up by eight. That was the biggest problem because that's when you run out the clock. It's not about run versus pass with a yard left. Mm. It's not really similar to what happened with Seattle in the Super Bowl two years ago. It's about clock management. You talked there, um, Kevin, about uh, you know the receivers not being able to get separation and Brady kind of you know. I mean, one of the reasons he's getting sacked is he's try- trying to get some time to uh, mm-hmm. find somebody who's open. And maybe this sense of inevitability about uh, Falcons' tiredness kicking in. But you look at the body language on the sideline. Bill Belichick, for instance, uh, they had no sense that there was any inevitability about this. Like, I looked at Belichick midway through the third, and he was a guy who, again, you're just judging from afar, but who had given up, who felt this was gone. No, and not... I mean, I think, you know, sometimes experience is exaggerated in situations like this, but I don't think the experience of the players was as significant as the experience of the coaches. What um, Aaron just pointed out, I remarked to my neighbors who were watching the game, we were shocked that Matt Ryan was snapping the ball with 13, 14 seconds left on the, uh, on the, on the play clock. That made no sense whatsoever. But, you know, they have coaches on the sideline. You would think somebody would have noticed after one or two of them that, hey, tell Matt to, to, to bring the clock down to you know two or three seconds before the snap. It's just as basic stuff like that. So I mean, we talk about the you know, the, the the players of, of the of the of the Falcons players just running out of gas and, and the and the Patriots almost being preordained and predestined to win this. But I think in a lot of respects, you know, Dan Quinn really got out out coached by Bill Belichick. But then again, that's no badge of dishonor. <laughs> that happens pretty regularly. Yeah, Aaron, uh, Kevin mentioned the Edelman catch which is just so decisive. And, you know, that was almost the moment where you thought maybe the miraculous is on here. The irony is Edelman, you know, who's such a trusted lieutenant of Brady and a go-to guy and so reliable, was having a shocking game. He was dropping balls. He wouldn't drop 99 times out of 100 up until that point. Well, uh, he drops them a little bit more often than one out of 100. Edelman actually drops the ball a good amount. Patriots receivers are not known for their hands. What they're known for generally is their agility in small spaces. Edelman is not a great receiver because he has great hands. It's because once he has the ball in his hands, he's going to make guys miss. Okay. So he dropped a couple earlier in the game, and it was like, okay, you know, Edelman does that. But then Hogan dropped one, and then it just seemed like he was like, when either Brady was missing guys or when he was hitting them, they were dropping. It was, it was weird. But it did give you, you should sort of in the back of your mind thought the plays are there. Guys were open. It's just Brady was missing them, mm. or they were dropping yeah. the pass. What I said at halftime was the same thing, by the way, that I said at halftime of the NFC Championship. I said, 
I have no doubt that Tom Brady can score 21 points in this game to come back. Mm. I just don't think there's any way that they can keep the Falcons to zero. Mm. That's what I said about Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game, and I was right. Mm. Rodgers scored all those points, and they couldn't keep the Falcons. The Patriots somehow kept the Falcons to one touchdown in the second half, early in the third quarter. That was the really remarkable thing. Like, someone posted on, on, on Twitter about, you know, I can't believe anybody ever gave up on Brady. You should know by now to never give up on Brady. And I'm like, who the heck gave up on Brady? I never gave up on Brady. It's yeah. the defense I gave up. I gave up on Malcolm Butler <laughs> and Devin McCourty and Trey Flowers and Dante Hightower. That's who I had given up on in my mind, and I apologize for doing so, but nobody ever gave up on Brady. You know Brady to do it. Yeah. It's really interesting here in Boston, obviously, and, and I think probably most of the country, it's being portrayed as, as obviously the greatest statistical comeback of all time in any Super Bowl, in any actually any postseason game. But, you know, in Atlanta, this is being portrayed as a collapse. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta fans are not happy about this, and I think they would see this as more of a lost opportunity than tipping their cap to the Patriots and saying what an incredible performance, what an incredible franchise. I think the Falcons fans are sitting there saying, we lost this, they didn't win it. Yeah. It, Tom, the two sides to every coin. There's yeah, two sure. sides yeah. to every coin in sports. It's Tom Brady's seventh post-game comeback in the fourth quarter, obviously his fifth uh, Super Bowl. Uh, just this, beyond all doubt, Kevin, is he the greatest quarterback of all time now? Is that argument settled, done, over? I, I think it's settled for anybody except you're going to have these sort of like uh, arguments about, you know, Brady could not run. He was not as mobile as Joe Montana. He wasn't this, he wasn't that. But in terms of results, I don't think you can argue with, with that. I, I mean, I, I think the ability to come back, at, as was shown yesterday, is, is really, I think, what sets Brady apart. And obviously it's what set Montana apart, too. But I, I think just the numbers speak for themselves. And it, it, you'll get a lot of argument in different parts of America because the Patriots are not liked. And obviously after deflate gate, some people still persist with the, the, the notion that Tom Brady is a cheater. So I, I think there'll always be a big dispute about that. But I mean, I mean, and I'm not obviously very objective in the sitting where sure. I am right now. Yeah, but I think that I think that the, the numbers speak for themselves, and I think Brady is the greatest quarter, certainly the greatest quarterback of all time. Aaron, you might come in on that point, and also to what extent does Deflategate and you know '07 Belichick find and the Patriots find for spying on the Jets? To what extent does all of that hang over the Belichick Brady era? Well, I'll take the second one first. I mean, again, you have two Bostonians on the phone. So you're really only getting one opinion here. On <laughs> yeah, this. But sure. there's no doubt that the Patriots quote-unquote cheated for one game in 2007. The belief that that encompasses so much more is a bit ridiculous, given that the thing that was illegal was not illegal prior to 2007. So if they did it prior to then, it's not cheating because it was not illegal. And as far as the Flategate, I think it's been pretty much shown that it was nonsense that they do not understand the laws of physics, which is why the NFL tested the air pressure of balls in games all throughout the season, including cold-weather games, and then never released the data to the public. Why would they not release the data? The answer is probably because it shows that physics is a thing, (laughs) that science is true, and that that's what happened with the ball. Now, 
as far as Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, there is one other argument against Brady, which is the difficulty of separating Brady's accomplishments from those of Belichick. The problem is that there's an equal difficulty in separating Montana's accomplishments from those of Bill Walsh or Otto Graham's accomplishments from those of Paul Brown. It's going to happen whenever you have a great quarterback-coach combo, and most of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history also played with a great head coach. I don't like to judge greatest ever based on a single game or based solely on what someone does in the playoffs. But I think Brady put his stamp on the debate this year by playing one of his best seasons at an age at which all of the other great quarterbacks in history had had a, a collapse. By this age, Peyton Manning was not playing well. By this age, uh, Brett Favre had collapsed. By this age, Dan Marino wasn't playing anymore. Uh, he's done it so long and so good and in so many different ways. You can argue that in his early years, the staff suffered because he didn't have the weapons. And when he got the weapons in 2007, he was incredible. You can argue the same thing about Peyton Manning. In Peyton Manning's later years in Indianapolis, he didn't have the weapons he had in his earlier years. But Brady has now done this longer than anyone else at such a high level, and it doesn't look like it's going to end. When the end comes, nobody will expect it, and it will happen. It happens with all the greatest quarterbacks. But he's lasted longer than anyone else at such a high level. It's hard to argue against it at this point. Mm. Kevin, final point. How excited does Boston get at this stage over his Patriots Super Bowl? Man, I mean, <laughs> I, obviously that was the, because of the, the nature of the game itself. I think if they blew out the um, Falcons yesterday, I don't think many it, people are very spoiled around here, and yeah. particularly young people, people in their 20s. They, this is all they know um, between the Red Sox and the, and, and, and the Patriots. You know, in 10 years, every team here has won a championship. It, that hasn't happened anywhere else in the United States. It's it's crazy. But I, I think this one is really special. And, uh, you know, Bob Kraft, the owner, said that uh, this was unequivocally the sweetest of all the victories because, you know, given how it started with the four-game suspension for Brady, you know, I, I think that this one does feel remarkable given the circumstances of the game. The funniest thing, I, I don't think a lot of people realize this, you know, they, they won four uh, Super Bowls prior to this. Yesterday, this was the biggest margin of victory they've ever had. They usually win squeakers. So, I mean, we're kind of used to the squeaky part of it, but I, I, I think if most Patriots fans were honest, they when, it was, when they were down by 25, I think very few Patriots fans thought they were going to come back. So, by that, by that measure alone, this is, is as Bob Kraft said, the sweetest yeah there's a final text in before we go please give my best to Kevin Cullen followed the Super Bowl seesaw motions on his Twitter feed last night had the pleasure of his company and a few pints in New Ross last September says Miles in New Ooh. Ross Kevin uh, New Ross is my my new favorite part of Ireland I said <laughs> I was in some of the pubs they'll, they didn't charge me uh, by the drink they charged me rent <laughs> uh, lads we'll leave it there thanks very much Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe and Aaron Schatz of footballoutsiders.com football shows next Off the Ball find us on Twitter at Off the Ball News Talk 106 to 108